Welcome to episode nine of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus Mountains of Russia. I'm Andrew. I'm Eli. And we're two Americans. And we live here. In the Caucasus. Hey, welcome. We're over the hump. What is that hump again called? It was number it was the episode seven is where some large portion of podcasts experience pod fade and pod they fade, fade off into yes. nothing. They just can't get over the hump. Can't so get over the we hump. got over the hump day of podcasts <laughs> of the podcasting world. We're on a roll. Awesome. All right. Well, listeners, uh, thanks for sticking with us. We've been plowing right along here. We've had a, we've had a lot of fun personally, and it's, it's been really great engaging with some of you, uh, hearing some of your feedback so far. Again, we really value your feedback. And uh, you may not know this, but we have basically two sets of listeners at this point. We have people from the West, more or less our American friends. Occidental listeners. Yes. <laughs> With an O, not an A. Yes. And then we have our local friends who actually live here in the Caucasus who have also been listening. Um, and uh, we've gotten a lot of encouraging feedback from our local friends here in the Caucasus, which has been great to hear. They really love it. Um, so whether you're from Dagestan or Dover, Dover, Delaware, um, we want to hear from you. So any feedback you have, please email us at podcast at caucustalk.com. That's C-A-U-C-A-S-T-A-L-K dot com. And that is our website where there's not only, this is the thing about the beauty of a website, not only are all of our episodes there, but there are some extra posts, some uh, extra announcements and things like that. Andrew, we actually got a request for a shout out. Hey. Yeah. So I'm going to proceed with shouting out wow. to Camillo. Shout out to Camillo. Yeah. Camillo, this is shout out. All right. So Tourist season. Let's go ahead and get into our, our topic here today. I've got to travel a lot the last couple of weeks here in the Caucasus. Over the summer. Over the summer. That's right. A uh, couple of months, we'll say. Um, and I like really rediscovered some things about the Caucasus I forgot because I wasn't here last summer. Oh, that's right. And let me just say, it's awesome to be here in the summer. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk today about What's our title? You came up with a catchy title. That's right. So my title is Three Weeks, Five Caucasus Homes Observations. Okay. So we were, we were guests in many of our local friends' homes the last couple of weeks and months. Uh, and, you know, the main things you think about when you travel in the summer is, oh, mountains and nature. Hiking. But there's so much more to that. Uh, so we're going to talk about those things today. Cool. And, of, of course, as we've talked about Caucasus Culture, hospitality is kind of the number one thing you hear about and you experience. That's right. And we really experienced it this summer kind of at a different level because we, we did some overnights with some friends. Uh, we spent long days with friends, and we were kind of uh, on their stomping grounds. And so, yeah, it's going to be cool to talk about. All right, so first thing I noticed is, I don't know if this is a good title. for. I have three titles for... <laughs> Uh, when I group all my observations from our travels this summer, I have three categories. The first category is mo money, mo problems, <laughs> which doesn't date you at all. It it doesn't date me at all, and 
Will Smith. I just was looking for some kind of title with money in it, and that's what I came up with it. So I'm not sure that's representative of this. Well, uh, now I'm dying to hear what this Mo Money Mo Problems is all about. Yeah. It, actually, I think it's kind of the opposite of that. But basically, when you're a guest in a Caucasus home, I knew this, but we experienced it more this summer. There's no way your host is letting you pay for anything. No way. This is interesting because this came up for me recently. I wanted to... You don't want to pay someone back for something, but like you want to participate in the giving, and it's yes. really hard to be just at the receiving end yeah. of extravagant hospitality. Yeah, that's right, especially when you know it's extravagant, like you said. And you know that it's probably um, the the expense is significant for the people who are hosting you. That's right. But I, and I asked a friend about this. I said can I give him something? Can I like help him with a house project or something? And he's like, he laughed at me. This was an American guy. He said, <laughs> you just got to receive. Huh? You just got to receive. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, from an American mindset, Elon and I are both Americans. Typically, you know, we're both, we're dads. We have young kids. I have two and Eli has three in America. Typically, if you do stuff with people your age, often like, with our good friends, Mark and Sarah and their kids, usually everybody will take care of their own family financially, you know? Sure. You kind of cover, or you'll, you'll work together to meet the final cost. Yeah. Potluck idea or whatever. Yeah. I would say that, would you say that's pretty common? Definitely. Because once you have kids, if, I mean, it's one thing for someone to reach out and cover your lunch, but if you tag your spouse and your kids on it, it's like a big assumption that they just want to treat everybody to whatever. That's right. Yeah. So in general, there's a mutual understanding that you'll kind of take care of your own if you guys do something together. But here, if you're invited as a guest, just assume there's also a mutual understanding that the host will take care of everything. Um, So uh, first story I want to tell, um, we had some friends um, travel in from America and we ended up six of us American guys going to be guests in a ball car home for four days and three nights. Right. So this, we were in the, the home of our friend Musa. So, and, and this was not with your, your family. It was just you and the fellas, six guys, okay. me and the boys. Yeah. Uh, so there were six of us and I tried to be upfront from the beginning. Like, Hey, we want to help like any way we can financially. We know like, it's a lot of food. You guys are putting us up, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so I think it was, it was our second day there. And we had uh, done some hiking and stuff. had a good time so far. And I was sitting in kind of the courtyard of the home talking to my friend Musa's dad. And we were discussing our plans for the next day. We wanted to go to this lake and do shashlik, which we just talked about this, but do like grilling out, Russian grilling oh, yeah. out, the shish kebabs. And uh, I just mentioned to him, uh, I said, hey, is there anywhere here? And they live in a smaller village, probably 3,000 people. We can, we can buy shashlik here from a local like food store, right? Grocery may, store. You, let me guess. You may as well have like slapped him in the face. <laughs> and uh, he looked at me. <laughs> With this look of righteous indignation. <laughs> and he just looked me straight in the eye and said, you're not paying for anything. <laughs> Bud. And his, there was this other guy. I didn't even know who he was. 
there was this other older guy in the courtyard standing, like smoking a cigarette beside us. I found out later it was his brother, so my friend's uncle. But he was like, I'm going fishing at that lake tomorrow. I'll just bring the mead, and then we'll do shashlik. He just said it off the cuff. I, I think I'd shake, shaken, shaken his hand, but I didn't really know who he was. But now he's, now he's hosting you. Yeah. yeah. So the next day we get up there. We oh, hiked man. up there to this lake. Amazing. And he had this huge tub oh. full of lamb meat. I mean, it was a ton of meat. Do you think like that was a lamb that was alive while you guys were talking? And I'm not by sure. The time you got up there? I know he got it. He lived in Tiernales, which was a, uh-huh. a city close to there. So I'm not sure, it, but it was probably half a lamb's worth of meat. Wow. <laughs> it was a lot. And I'm thinking back to like, you know, Mesopotamia, like Abrahamic days when, you know, your your wealth as a person or family is measured in things like sheep and camels. And yes. it's kind of like that here. I mean, they obviously have banks and bank yeah. accounts, but I think there's a lot of wealth tied up. With those who have livestock, there's a lot of wealth tied up oh, with yeah. that. So saying half a lamb is like, you know, a chunk of it's good cash, ch- basically. Good chunk of cash, yeah. Chunk of uh, so that was, <laughs> it was funnier later in the moment, rethinking how he just like rebuked me, like you're not paying for anything. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, just really generous. So that was that was really cool. Um, so that's one story. Another story, we were- um, Well, let me interrupt you before yes. you go on. Is that, do you know, I don't know if you have this like intuitive yet or not, is there a certain like rapport, rapport or um, I want to say, is there a dialogue you're supposed to have about who does what in terms of providing? Like, are you supposed to offer in a sense, you know, you're supposed to say, oh, we'll take care of it. And then they like, oh, of course, you're not going to take care of it. I mean, would it be rude likewise to just prance in and assume everything's covered and not offer at all? I wonder. Oh, I've lived here two and a half years, and I, I feel like I still don't know the answer to any of these questions. And you don't do much prancing anyway, so we, take that out of the equation. <laughs> we need to get some local experts in here yeah. on this. Because we, we got the handshaking stuff with Nauda's. We talked about that for a bit and, yeah. and, and some hospitality, but we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep. In general, though, I think, yeah, you, you're not making a wrong assumption assuming the host is going to take care of you. Because, right. you know, it's different – even among the Caucasus peoples here, whether it's Kabardine or Ingush uh-huh. or Adigea, you you know that they're going to take good care of you. It might look different sure. in certain ways, but yeah. So, all right, just wondering. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's one story. Another story. We spent a full day with some of our good Kabardine friends. Uh, they drove us out uh, to a really beautiful waterfall. Is this the same six guys? Uh, no, different group. This was just our family. Uh-huh. Good so family friends. Kids. Yeah. Right. Um, so we've spent the whole day with them. I have a couple stories from that trip. But uh, uh, the one that sticks out in the Mo Money, Mo Problems category <laughs> is just the generosity in when we left. You know, we were the guests. They took care of us all day, paid for everything. Uh, and then when you leave, often you're given this extremely generous parting gift to take home with you. Really? Yes. Uh, so they loaded us up. Talk about dairy central. Like this is a family. Uh, they have a good number of like farm animals at their home. They gave us, uh, three liters of it's actually six liters of it's like 
the version of Kefir. It's called Iran, but it's oh, yeah. it's the Karachai, Karachai, Kabardine, and Bokar people do a lot of Iran. Iran. Yeah, and that's like it's like a yogurty type it's dairy a yogurt-y dairy thing. drink. It's yeah. so delicious. So we got six liters of that on the way home. So with that, so rough equivalent gallon and a half. Yes. <laughs> then we got four liters of homemade milk from their cows. Uh, homemade milk. Homemade milk. Yeah. <laughs> Just add water. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Home milked milk. So, and then we got three huge blocks of homemade cheese. Dude. That they had like made from their cows. and You got to make an introduction because uh, we love cheese. <laughs> yeah. So like. I mean, what do you even do with all that dairy? Like, it was so much. It was so overwhelming. It was so generous of them. Well, you go to the bathroom at some point. That's right. Sorry. <laughs> and we were we were sharing with some friends, and Christy, my wife, got real creative and <laughs> using that stuff in different recipes. Um, but, I mean, that's a picture, again, of, you know, you get taken care of right. while you're there, but then they send you home with a bunch more stuff in your arms, too. That's really cool. Yeah. I did, and it's so fun. I mean, it makes an uh, like an occasion out of just a a, a normal get together, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um so anyways, again, you just learn so much about hospitality when you're around people who just do it differently than yeah. you and it's cool to then be able to apply that in how you treat others, you know. What's one of the Excuse me, what's one of the takeaways or what what do you how do you want to change your hospitality based on your experiences i am a terrible gift giver really terrible like christy my wife she knows she's in charge of remembering anybody's birthdays Uh and and of getting them gifts andrew mine is coming up and I'm going to present it to you as an opportunity. Can you tell christy can you let her know when this is I'm just gonna tell you (laughs) listeners don't tell Christy. Andrew will have to all right. Yeah. So uh, I've really seen the value here that is placed on when you come as a guest to bring a gift. Right. And when you leave the host, the gift the host should be giving. Right. Uh, it's practiced in different forms, but by most of the Caucasus peoples here. And so in general in America, like, again, like with our friends, usually it's kind of like the potluck deal. You yeah. bring... Everybody brings a different dish to add to the meal, but the the actual gift giving, I would say, there's less of that. As far as just sure. being a guest, being a host, sure. Uh, so that's something I've definitely been learning here to think more through and yeah. to think through. I have to put a lot of thought into it to feel like I can do a good job of that. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say ten to thirty percent of small grocery stores here. No. Of the small grocery stores here, <laughs> 10 to 30% of their shelf space is given to gift box chocolates. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's like the really small uh, store by our house. One of three walls it's is, a big all, wall. is like gift stuff. Yeah. Tea and chocolate. and Yep, that's a good point. Uh, you know, maybe juice. Those are all good gift things. So it's... It, that tells you something. You go in a grocery store. It's like, what if yeah. I don't want box chocolate? What, <laughs> do you have anything else in here? Right. And again, like in the States, typically a box of chocolates is associated with romance, Valentine's Day, and maybe Forrest Gump. 
but mainly Valentine's Day, right? Uh, Old reference, dude. But uh, but here, I mean, that stuff is gifted all the time. Yeah. And let us clarify, it's not just chocolates that are gifted. There's lots of things that, that are gifted. But yeah, that's kind of step one. That's an easy one. Bare, bare bones, building blocks. <laughs> Eli's at the Something that starts with B. Of gift yeah. Uh, okay, so. Next story. Yeah, all right. That's, that's category with- one, mo' money, mo' problems. Uh, <laughs> This, I mean, is assumed, and we've talked about this, but category two is the guest is king or queen. Or queen. I mean, Mm -hmm. guests are just treated like royalty. Uh, Here's a good story. We were recently in the Dumbai area, which is in Karachai, Cherkessia. We've talked about this. This is one of the big skiing areas. Ski areas in the winter, but also recreation in the summer. Absolutely beautiful. And we were there in the summer. It was sunny every day. It was so beautiful. Um, and we stayed in the town outside of Dumbai. It's called Teberda. We rented a house with some friends and we got to know some of the local people there. Like we were going to the grocery stores every day. Um, and they of course don't have Americans come in there often. So that was interesting to them. (laughs) But, uh, this one lady, her name was Zaira. She worked at the meat shop and she, we did shashlik there one day and she got all our meat ready, spiced it up for us and all that. Nice. Marinated it for us. But, uh, they had already told us, like, if you need anything, let us know. We, you know, we can help you get around here. And so one morning, uh, we went out. We were with some friends. So there was, and they have two young kids. So there was four adults and four young kids. And we just wanted to take the local public transport into Dumbai, which is about a thirty-minute marshutka drive from there. Marshutka being the minibus. Minibus. We're gonna call it minivan. Yeah, it mini- is not a bus. Yeah. Marshutkas are small vans that have seating for. 10 and standing 10 to 15. Yeah. That's right. So we went out there and they told us those buses come frequently. Well, we, me and my friend Dima stood at the stop probably 20 minutes and multiple buses passed us and nobody stopped. And our theory thinking at that point was let's hide our kids because there's four of them and nobody's going to stop for us. (laughs) Uh, But then at that point we all went to rest in the shade. Christy, went to the meat shop and she, she told Zaira, she said, Hey, I know you said like these, the public transport comes through every morning, but like nobody's stopping for us. And she was like appalled. She said, what? I'm going to, I'm going to take care of this right now. She gets her cleaver. (laughs) Pulled out her knife. (laughs) No. uh, So as I don't even know what she was doing. Like, was she going to call a bus driver and have them turn around and come get us? I don't know what she was going to do. But at that same moment, I walked back out to the bus stop with my younger daughter, Hannah. And immediately the first bus that came Uh by stopped. And then we just all piled in at that point. And Christy ran and came and jumped in. So whoever Zaire was calling, whatever she she was doing. She had a direct line, man. She has a button (laughs) under the counter. I'm assuming she didn't call that driver that came at that moment. (laughs) But I was blown away. like. She she was about to go to bat for us and take care of that in that moment. Sure. Uh, so that that like really represents kind of like we take care of our guests. To her, we were her guests. We were staying in her town. Uh, I mean, we and you were just her, asking a question. We had you? bought some meat from her and had a couple five minute conversations with her. You know, right? But like she was willing to do whatever it took to take care of us. And that, that was really cool. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so that's one story. Another, we were at, uh, also in Karachai, Cherkessia, staying at our friend Nauruz's house. And uh, we took a train to get there. 
And then uh, the next day, it was kind of nap time for our, our girls, which is mid-afternoon, early mid-afternoon, and we were looking to head home. And so we were just planning to take a taxi. Again, this is like our American independence. Like, guys, it's fine. It's fine. We'll plan this out. We'll take care of ourselves. Yeah, you don't have to do anything else. And our friend Nauruz's dad, his name's Abdul, he was just like, I'm driving you home. <laughs> what are you talking about? So, again, this is an hour, 20-minute drive. And he just, it was not even a second At thought. a drop of the hat. Yeah, he just drove us all the way home. That's amazing. Yeah, like, I mean, we just wouldn't do that in America. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, again, I just really appreciated that. Like, literally, if, if you're somebody's guest, from, from door to door, from the time from the time you even think about leaving, like often we have s- some friends who won't let us take a taxi to their place. They'll come get us. Oh. From the time you're back in your home, they are taking care of you. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I just really appreciate it. Those are good stories, man. Yeah. Uh, it, it's even, I mean, to, the, to me it even seems like over the top at times, but that's just, here it's just like, of course we're going to do that. It's what right. you do, you know? So, guest is king. Good job, Kabardines and Bolkars <laughs> and Karachais. Thanks, everybody. Um, and then last category, uh, I call this one, your friend is my friend. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so, here in the Caucasus, if you are with somebody who's mm-hmm. a friend of somebody else and you connect with them at any point, it could be in public, at their home, whatever. Right they're going to take care, really good care of you because you're their friend's friend. Their friend's friend. Which makes you their friend, basically. Uh, so uh, let's go back to this story. We spent the whole day with our Cabardine friends, and they took us to this beautiful waterfall. We had Shashlik out there. And on the way home, our friend Ramazan, who was driving us, he said, hey, I have this friend in this village, Magomed. We drove through probably five villages to get to this waterfall. He said, I told him we were coming through. He made me promise we would stop by. All right. He was like, we're just going to stop by for two minutes. <laughs> and his brother at that point was like, you're going to be, you're not going to be there two minutes, <laughs> you know? But so we stopped by. And so at this point, uh, my daughters were napping in the back of the car with my, with my wife. It was mid afternoon, you know, nap time. And uh, we knock on the outdoor gate. And Magomed comes barging out. He's so excited to see us. He's probably 65 years old, maybe yeah. 70. And I've never met the guy. Sure. But he, when we shake hands, in one motion, he shakes my hand and then pulls me into the courtyard. I couldn't resist. Like, it was such a smooth move. I got to learn that. But he was like, my friend Ramazan was like, Hey, Magomed, we can't stay. Like, the kids are sleeping in the back. And he was like, You're staying. Oh, you are staying. You are not going to come here and not going to stay and at least have some food and tea. And I already have your friend <laughs> captive in my courtyard. <laughs> but that move was so smooth. He got me with one hand in the handshake and then yanked me, and I couldn't resist. Oh, off your feet. And <sighs> this guy, I mean, it was a very classic Caucasus situation. Like, I know often we've talked about this, but people associate with Russia, like, the shots of vodka and all that. But uh, the vodka was out really fast at this home. All right. And uh, we, had, we talked about so many things in the hour we were there. Um, but again, it's this principle of 
your friend is my friend. He never met me, but he wanted to Didn't talk matter. to me. Right, he right. wanted to, I was his friend, Ramazan's friend. He wanted to feed me and at least give me some chai. Well, what's also interesting is he had heard you were coming through and he was going out of his way. Like he heard you were coming and, and his friend's friend is like, I want that guy. Yeah. You know, I want to host him. Yep. And it's an interesting impulse. He had been waiting all day. So like for here again, you see this pattern in the Caucasus that people are most important. And again, like at all homes, but at this home too, he said, my doors are always open to you. Anytime you're in my village, I want you to come by and, and that, you're welcome here. That's probably true. It absolutely. And it, it, I, it might actually be an offense to him if I passed yeah. through there and didn't call him. You know, I was just talking with a friend who lives in a different part of Europe, but also deals, uh, has, is, has friends with people from, well, I'll, at least Turkic um, peoples. Yeah. So not Caucasus per se, but there's a lot of overlap in Turkish culture. And, and there are Turkic peoples and, here, yeah. Yeah, and she was telling us that she had met this, this Turkic girl one time and like months later saw her at a store or something. She ran up. I was like, why haven't you called? We, I, we will, I want you to come over and we will have tea and we will talk. And I've been missing you. You know, all these things just like for us, that would be, you know, you might call the police in a given situation in the U S if someone, you know, (laughs) don't stalk me. Yeah. Yeah. But in some of these cultures, it's totally different. So uh, listeners, I hope you're getting the point. When you come, just hang out with Andrew. You'll get your cheese needs met. (laughs) You'll get some relationship, like connection. We we know lots of people in lots of places. Another quick story. um, Again, this is back to our Balkar friends, Musa. We went to, uh, we spent the day in the Elbrus region. um, And uh, we found this out later, but his friends, you know, when you go up the ski lift, right? They'll take pictures of you in the ski lift, and then when you come down, they've already got it printed on a magnet. Oh yeah, yeah, and you yeah. Can buy you can it buy for, it for super cheap. Um, and so we came down and we're looking at the pictures of the magnet, and he started talking to us in English and to our friend Musa. And Musa started talking back to him in English, and then they were like, "Wait a minute!" and looked at each other. They were friends. It was really funny. And then they started talking <laughs> in Balkar language. Um, but as soon as this guy, his name was Islam, as soon as Islam found out we were Musa's friends, he immediately gifted all six of us the magnets with our faces on them. Sweet. Like there was no question about it, you know. Yeah. And I mean, think about it. Like those guys probably don't make that much money. Yeah. You know, they kind of sell these cheap magnets to tourists. But so that was kind of a decent chunk for him but like there was no second thought he immediate because we were Musa's friends we were his friends and he gave us those things you know I think there's a that gives you a hint of of a priority of values there where I'm I'm speaking totally as an outsider but I get the sense sometimes that when it comes to income and livelihood that is it's sort of like um everyone needs to make an income Mm everyone needs you know livelihood but it's sort of like that second to the like the fundamental fact is your relationships yeah and it's like oh yeah well well income and livelihood is subject to that you know Mm. what i mean like if that's a prior if that is there's a relational need boom the the work the you know all that stuff that i need to live and survive comes second and i think Mm. it's because they have um a relational network that allows for that yeah you know what i mean there's 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 um it's not just about the bottom line Mm. which i think it is a lot more in our culture it's like Mm. i have to make ends meet or there's no fallback 
Yeah. And again, I'm speaking, uh, you know, that's pretty broad. Those are pretty broad terms, but I feel like the the relational um, kind of web is this kind of gives them an ability to do that kind of flexible like that. There's some phrases in the Russian language that really reflect that. And it's, it just doesn't translate well into Russian, but one is, or into English. One is, uh, Pochilevichsky, and the second is Pabratsky. So, Pochilevichsky means like you would do something to somebody else because it's the most basic, essential thing you would do for another human being. It just like, makes sense. The root of the word is chilevich, which is person. Yeah. So it's like being humane, humane, humane. And then Pabratsky is like doing it for a brother, right? Which they say a lot more here in the Caucasus. But you know, I've. That's definitely something, a kind of a universal thing about the Caucasus. No matter what a person's religion is or their political views or whatever the differences are, people here are so humane towards others. Mm -hmm. And especially when you get in that context of hospitality and hosting. Interesting. So. Yeah, good job, uh, Caucasus people. Your friend is my friend. Uh, We learn from you every day. Uh, So basically... How can you say mi casa es su casa? So that's my house is your house in Spanish. How do you say it in Russian, Andrew? Moi dom tvoi dom? Moi dom et tvoi dom. What people say here is nashi dveri vsegda atkrita vam. Oh, that's good. Our doors are always open to you. That's right. Say it again. Nashi dveri vsegda vam atkrita or vsegda atkrita vam. Nashi dveri vsegda vam atkrita. Yeah. Our doors are always open to you. Yeah, so. We've got to use that phrase and we've got to learn that Kabardin, the longest word in Kabardin, that means are you from those who are of the grass uh, cutters? Karchai, what, what oh, Kabardin taught, yeah, yeah. taught us, yeah. <laughs> Back in episode But that's a good phrase four. to know. Um, so anyways, those are some of my categories we learned about hospitality in the Caucasus this summer. If I had to break it down to two themes we just saw repeated over and over among different ethnicities in different homes and different contexts, I would say overwhelming generosity and extreme flexibility with time and space. Ex- wow. That was kind of really well. I couldn't, summarized. I couldn't break it down into any no, it's really well phrases, but people are so generous with uh, what they have and people are really flexible and willing to let you stay at their home longer if you need to. Uh, they'll give you all the space you need. I mean, yeah. we, we know this because we have kids and it takes space to host a family like us. You know? <laughs> uh, and um, so anyways, those are great qualities to have in being. I have, a, I have a, a revised title to to propose for your Mo Money, Mo Problems. Okay. For, for guests, no money, no problems. Oh, nice. Yeah. I like that. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, some of my observations. Three weeks, five homes. Observations of Caucasus Hospitality. From this last summer. From this summer, summer 2017. I've got a few trips left up my sleeve, so I okay. hope to be able to chime in in a future episode with some of the things that, that we yeah. observe too. I'll probably match what you're Yeah, and <laughs> you're traveling uh, probably to some different places than I was, so that will be interesting to compare. Yeah, we'll have uh, some different um, cultures to, to throw into the mix. Yeah. So summer's not quite over here. Um it's the one thing that's really nice about traveling in the Caucasus up until June, it's springish. 
rainy, even rainy, rainy, cloudy, can be, which can be chilly. Can be really nice, but come July, you've got it switches. Consistent, dry, hot weather. Yeah, and not overwhelmingly hot. Mm-hmm. Certainly, like in the in the mountains, not hot at all. Yeah, um, although it was pretty. It can get hot. Can it up there? In the, the evenings yeah. are cool for sure. Right. But yeah. mountainy weather. Yeah. But that's nice. So when you're thinking, friends, we want you to be thinking, envisioning yourself here in these, you know. With us. With us in a home, um, being a king or queen. No, but seriously, um, be thinking about next summer, summer 2018. Yeah. It's going to be here before you know it. It's coming up. Start making plans. Start making plans. All right. You know you're getting emails right now from your in-laws about that beach trip next summer. They, that's exactly right. You, you, <laughs> I speak from experience. It's already January. Are you coming to the August trip? Like, oh. So pencil in those plans now. Yeah. Um, so that's a good transition, Eli. Uh, we're going to transition into our travel tips. Tour, tourism tip. Tourism tidbits. Oh, tidbits. Tip tidbits. It, it, it's something with a lot of T's. Tippity tip top. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so. It's a tourism tip. Yeah. When you think about coming to the Caucasus, of course, the, the main things on your mind are the mountains and the beautiful nature. And that, rightfully so. That's what should be on your mind. It's Agreed. absolutely beautiful. Um, but in all my travels this summer, there were like some things I really kind of grew to appreciate it might be like on the second tier of mm-hmm. what you'll notice when you come here, but things that were really great. Okay. So I just want to, I'm going to pique your interest a little bit about things to look for while you're here. Do you know that that word peak is spelled with a Q? Ah, is that's the P I Q U E. That's the one. People uh, spell it P E A K and yeah, we understand what they mean. I would have misspelled that. To peak. It's like Francais. Go on. So we're going peak to your peak. Unknowingly used a good word there. <laughs> Quite knowingly. Um, but uh, so here's three unique things about summertime in the Caucasus that are worth coming to be a tourist among. All right. Yeah. Your top so three. First is obviously the nature is beautiful, but I was really struck by how beautiful the fauna is this summer. <laughs> Speaking of good words. <laughs> Um, so what do you think fauna means? When I say fauna, I'm I'm talking about kind of like the plant life and specifically the flowers. Okay, so that would be flora. Flora. Fauna. Those are, they often go together. Is fauna flora like and green fauna. stuff. Fauna means animals. Oh, I was wondering. This website was talking about <laughs> fauna but had animals on it. Yeah. <laughs> so they're right. So flora and fauna. Okay. Uh, plants and animals. But we're going to talk about flora and fauna. Okay, good. I like Let's get mis- all of our Latin mis- words. Mistaked my way into that one. Mistook <laughs> my way into that one. Uh, but uh so the fields in the Caucasus like are just stunning when you, especially I've done a lot of hiking this summer when you get up into some of the fields on the side of these hills or mountains or in the mountain range mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful. Yeah different colors, kinds of flowers. And look, I'm not like a flower or beauty kind of guy. <laughs> I can attest to that. Yeah, like my wife is the one who has an eye for that and more of appreciation for that. She's teaching our kids. than My, my kids, my five and three-year-old, know, know more flower names than I do because my wife's been teaching them that. But I was really blown away by it this summer. These, these huge fields that people rarely see, yeah. they're just gorgeous. Um, the colors. And so I did a little research oh. about – the fauna and the flora. 
in the Caucasus. Uh, in the Caucasus as a whole, so when we say Caucasus, we're talking about the Russia part of the Caucasus plus the Trans-Caucasus, which is Armenia, Georgia, Azerbaijan. Uh, there are over, let me get this right. Wait for it. 6,300 species of plants here. That seems like a lot to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know <laughs> what that number should be, but that's a lot. And in, in the North Caucasus here in the Russia, here in Russia, in the republics that we're talking about, uh, 3,700 plant species. So a solid half of them. Yeah, no, more than half. Sorry. Really, really diverse. Yeah. Um, and so on the show notes, I found a really cool um, document that kind of just details some of the basic different types of flora in the North Caucasus. It's very diverse. And this is like, it's really legit. So if you are... It's put out by the Missouri Botanical Garden in partnership with with the World Conservation Union and the Critical Ecosystem Partnership Fund. For those of you who want to know. So if, if botany is your thing, if you are botanically inclined, yeah. if you are a um, botophile, <laughs> I'm sure that's not a word. Botanist? Uh, yeah. No, that's the scientific. But even if you just are appreciator of those plant things. Plant lover. Plant lover. Flower man. lover. As my wife is, for example, she um, is a voracious uh, gatherer. I mean, we will be not on a walk off in the meadows, but like down a grungy alley. Uh-huh. And she'll see a vine growing up someone's fence. It's like, oh, these are edible, snip, snip. Or these are medicinal, snip, snip. And comes <laughs> home and brews some stuff. Wow. Um, so the mountains are going to be that times like. Like, whoa, times like 3,400, wow. 700. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's the flora, and then, or that's the fauna. That's the flora. And then, that's flora, the like, flora. like flower, <laughs> flora, flora. <laughs> fauna, like fawn, like a, um, yes. like a, a goat-footed man. So in the, I'll just briefly touch on the fauna. Uh, if you're in the Caucasus, you're going to see mainly like farm animal, animals roaming around, and especially once you drive into their publics. Cows, horses, sheep. Um, in the road. Yeah. All over. Yes. Uh, we've weaved around many a cow right. in the last uh, couple of weeks and months. But uh, once you get up into the mountains, let me preface this. You're not going to necessarily see these. There are some like places where they do have some of the animals. But listen to some of the, the fauna that exists in the Caucasus, deep in the Caucasus. There are Caucasian leopards. Yes. Extremely rare. Uh, they're called tours, but like mountain goats. Uh, they like have the rams. These, they are beastly. They're so huge. Yeah. Uh, there's bears, wild boars, bison, different kinds of gazelles and deer, uh, types of jackals, and then eagles and lots of different birds too. But we, I went on a hiking trip in May, and we were like out there, out there, no civilization. And on our trip, I'm not exaggerating. We saw around 15 boar. Oh man. Up close. We saw three pretty up, up, up close. close and personal. We saw three, like we were on a riverbed and a mom, a mama boar and her two babies. Wow. Probably 30 meters up the river, just trotted out of the like undergrowth. Yeah. And then they booked it when they saw we were there, but I mean, we were close. That's yeah, exciting. And then uh, we saw one bear really, really far away. We saw a bear, but saw eagles. Uh, we did see mountain goats and different kind of deer. 
Um, so yeah, there is some really specific, unique yeah. uh, fauna. Do you know the what Caucasus. the goat is called that's got the like uh, curvy kind of interwoven horns that go straight up? Have Ooh. you seen those? I think they are more up in like northern Dagestan area. Anyway, I, don't, I don't know. All right, then scratch that. I want to just circle back around to something you mentioned. Okay. Bison. Yeah. These are indigenous. These, these didn't escape from like a, a Wild West petting zoo that someone set up in the Caucasus. So I'm going to, we're going to attach this. We're going to have a link to this so you can read more about it. But uh, it actually, the Caucasus population of European bison went extinct in 1927. Right. But they've been reintroduced to the Caucasus um, in the last however many right. amount of years. And they're starting to grow again. Yeah, but they're mainly on nature reserves. Right, okay. But we were okay. in the Dumbaya era. We saw some in the nature reserve. And they're, I was not they're, expecting that. And they're native. These, yeah. yeah, I mean. They've been re- they were native when extinct. Now they've been reintroduced. So yeah. that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, pretty cool. So Flana and Fora, <laughs> I hope you learned just like I did just now the difference between those things. But again, the fields are beautiful, really beautiful. Um, second, I had never been to a mountain lake until this summer. Okay. It doesn't sound that cool, but oh my goodness, mountain lakes are amazing. They're not cool. They're freezing. They, no, they're <laughs> not. In the summer, they're not that cold. Uh. Uh, so there's one. It's on the way to Elbrus. Uh, it's in Cabardina Balcaria. And it's about a 10-15-minute uh, walk or drive off the road. Um, but it's called the Bulim Lake, Bulum Lake, you could probably say. But, man, it is stunning. And we swam. We did shashlik there. Ah. But, I, you know, you see pictures of these things, but to be there surrounded by beautiful green mountains um, and then, like, to get to swim in it. Like, it's kind of, it was, it was like emerald green water it, it was thing, clear. really, really greenish blue. Yeah. It, like the pictures look, it was that yeah. cool. And and clean. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. And then, and apparently in Karachai Cherkessia, there are a lot more of these kinds of lakes. We swam in one. It's on the way to Dunbar. It's right off the road. It's more like a public lake, but that was really beautiful too. That one's called Kara, Karachol. But um, anyways, mountain lakes, man. I, you know, we're in the process of uh, starting a, a tour company to bring English speaking tourists here. And that is definitely going to be part of what we do. Terrific. Yeah. So mountain lakes, that's really cool. And then, you know, we talked about shashlik, uh, but summer is shashlik season. <laughs> and Andrew can't get over it. Yeah. And like, I mean, kind of like the summer is grilling out season in America. Like it's the same here. And it, like Eli said, July is really when it, the heat hit picks up. So that's when shashlik season picks up. So when you come here, you just got to do outdoor grilling shashlik. And we, we did it a bunch in May. And then June, we traveled some, so didn't, I don't think we did it any in June. And then we did it, we, I think, did shashlik ourselves three times in July, but mm-hmm. we ate shashlik a lot more than that. <laughs> so if you can come to the Caucasus and actually get to do shashlik yourself, oh, you got to. If, if you're here in the studio, you'd see Andrew's eyes. They kind of rolled back a little bit in his head when he, when he was thinking about it. <laughs> I'm getting hungry. I think his, he had to wipe his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyways... Um, Come here in the beautiful summer. That's our tourist tidbits. Um, check out a lake. Check out the beautiful flora and fauna. And just spend a day up. You can do all three of those things in one. Do shashlik by a lake and check out the beautiful flora. 
Wham, bam. In one shot. I'm done. So, Super. yeah, tourist tidbit for this episode. That's all, that's all I got, Eli. That's all you got. That's a, that's a mother load. Yeah. This is story time with Uncle Andrew. <laughs> but, um, I need my own theme song. No, you're, you're, not only do you have a lot of good stories, Andrew, but what's commendable and what I commend to you listeners is I hope you're picking up on how relationally Andrew and his family uh, connect with people when they go out. I mean, they go out to do that. And that's something oh. you can do anywhere. I just want to encourage you. You can go, you know, you can pull off the highway in a little town somewhere and you just start getting to know people. You may not have a caucus's hospitality experience, but yeah. um, anyway, I just, the, I think that's the key. I was once taught uh, by some people I really respect, assume friendship. And man, you often, you know, we, if we don't know somebody, they're a stranger and you keep a distance. But yeah. I would say, more often than not in the caucus, friendship is assumed, especially in the context of being a guest. Really important. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, um, thanks, yeah. Andrew. All right. So, if you have feedback, I'm sure some of you listeners probably have some great stories you could tell too of Caucasus hospitality. We'd love to hear it. And we'll share them. Send us some, some good stories. We'll, we'll read them on air. That's right. So send us your feedback at podcast at caucustalk.com. Again, that's purposely misspelled C-A-U-C-A-S talk.com. And please leave us. Uh, reviews on iTunes and on Glowing your Android reviews. devices. Uh, we actually have the right links now that you can do that. Zinging along we're, on the website. We're learning how to do this and we're making it easier for you. But uh, yeah, we, and uh, please, if, you th- if you've enjoyed this podcast, feel free to uh, share it with your friends as well. Subscribe and share. Yep. Um, so thanks for listening. Do you have anything else to add, Eli? Nothing. I'm ready for Shashleek again. <laughs> We're going to take a Shashleek break. Uh, but uh, hey, we again, we appreciate you listening. This was episode nine. That's right, right? Episode, episode nine. nine. <laughs> we were just recording here for a while. Episode nine of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus Mountains of Russia. And we will see you when you get here.